Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, podcast week again. They just keep getting better and better. Um, Welcome to the show, Isabel. Found you through the Uprising Spark. I don't know if you have more than one Instagram account. That's where I found you. (laughs) (laughs) And you are leading, I don't know, like what just popped into my head is like a child-free revolution. Um, So you can describe yourself and introduce yourself in whatever way you want. But when I found your account, I was just sort of like, well a child-free lifestyle and an abortion uh, podcast about abortion definitely need to have some kind of conversation together. So that's where we're here. Let's just have it. Let's talk about it. Um, it's definitely not a topic I've really covered, although I've had guests and certainly clients who know they don't want children. And so that is, that is a connection to their abortion story. Um, mm-hmm. We definitely haven't focused an episode on it, so this will be fun. Welcome to the show, and I will let you introduce yourself. Well, thank you, Amanda, for having me on your show. Um, well, yes, my name is Isabel, and I do have more than one Instagram account. Uprising <laughs> <laughs> Spark is like my brainchild, uh, but I also have a podcast called The Honest Operations, and I have a different account for that. Um, what is it that I do? I child-free revolution just sounds so on point you know (laughs) because for me it's just I am a child-free person a child-free by choice person Mm -hmm. and I basically when I got into this world and uh, this community when I found my people to put it in a way I realized that I realized many things Uh, the one thing that just really hit me was that I felt we were all very spread around the world like there's so many of us but there wasn't really like a strong community and the groups that I found on Facebook mainly were a little bit too toxic for me Mm -hmm. um, because they're like parent bashing children bashing. that's not my jam I love kids actually I just don't want to have any of my own and so I created this universe for child-free women um, to come and create a community that is a lot more positive a lot more uplifting and also you know, I have resources to also help women because I'm, I'm a coach, I'm a life coach, mm-hmm. and I only work with child-free women um, because when you come out, quote unquote, as child-free, it's very normal to have feelings of shame or anger or guilt around your choice. It's really normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those insecurities that sometimes we have, we like people who don't even talk about their choice openly because they feel they're going to be judged. So I work with women through all of these feelings get them to the other side where they can uh, light up their fire like I say and just kind of like do their life leave it on their own terms and leave it very happily mm-hmm. so that's in a nutshell who I am I love it it's so so good and how long have you been doing this I have been doing it for almost two years so mm-hmm. I started back in 2019 and the podcast and uh, and uh, Uprising Spark they started more or less at the same time 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's going to be two years and my brand has been growing. I'm very, very happy that I have been able to reach a lot of chocolate women and get a lot of really great feedback. So, yeah, that's so amazing. I love it. Um, so of course, shame, guilt, anger, <laughs> we're covering a lot of the same emotions and probably even some of like a lot of the same thoughts in our coaching work with our clients. Um, do you, uh, Tell me how often abortion as a, I'm just curious, how often abortion as a subject comes up with um, women in your community? What is, well, I suppose they're, maybe they're not all women, but um, what is, how is this a topic in, in, the, in your community? Uh, that's a great question. I think that I'm not going to say all child-free people, but I would say many of us are actually Mm pro-choice and it makes sense because sometimes you, you, even if you have to take all the precautions, as you know, you can get pregnant. And if you don't, if you really, really don't want to have a child, sometimes you have to like, um, you know, take that path, make that choice of of getting an abortion. And I have met a lot of child-free women who have indeed gotten abortions there is a fraction of child people who are actually not pro-choice, which is sort of like, a, it's strange, you mm-hmm. know, because you would think if you don't want to have a child and, but they have uh, beliefs that may make them say, I mean, they have beliefs that um, basically the, they say, if I get pregnant, it's because God intended to, or because right. the universe right. intended it to. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to have this child. Right. And, and that's the whole different um, way of thinking. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's, more, it's a lot more normal to find that child-free people are actually pro-choice. Yeah. That's mainly how the conversation, like how abortion uh, fits into the conversation because we are pro-choice as well. Um, and we speak very openly, the ones who are very like active on social media, we speak openly about not wanting children and being pro-choice in, in the sense that we, support the choice of any women or any person in general just to get or not an abortion. Uh, we're usually the blank of attacks from the so-called pro-life, which I would say is more pro-birth instead of pro-life. It's not the same thing. So, you know, we deal with those all the time. Uh, and also some of them actually take very personally the fact that we don't want to have kids, which doesn't affect them at all. Um, but they take it very personally. So <laughs> I'm imagining a lot of people who come to me um, for support. I mean, people come to the podcast for all kinds of reasons, but people who come to me for coaching support um, are often facing shame, guilt, anger, regrets around like after their abortions. And I'm imagining your community is like, heck yeah thank goodness for abortion, moving on, done that. But I suppose like sometimes feelings probably rise up like um, just either hormonally or like who knows, right? And you still have to process some of that stuff. But I just think this is such a beautiful example to me. Our two worlds colliding is such a beautiful example of the fact that shame, anger, guilt, regret, um, like all the things 
are just a part of the human experience. So if you're not, if you're, maybe you're going to feel them because you chose abortion. Maybe you're going to feel them because you chose a child-free lifestyle. Maybe you're going to feel them because you had kids and realized you didn't actually want kids. <laughs> yes. And so we have all these like ideas as human beings that like, oh, I'm going to pick this path so I can avoid shame and guilt, but there is yeah. no avoiding shame and guilt. It's just like, where are you going to feel it? Because you're going to yeah. feel it somewhere in your life. And so well, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's just human, right? Like I yeah. would be hopefully not. It doesn't control your life, but the chances of getting through your whole life without feeling shame or guilt about something are, are pretty small. It's, it's yes. kind of the human experience. Um, so I don't know. It's just like fascinating collision of worlds to me where in general, your audience probably feels a little bit differently after their abortions, but we're probably coaching on a lot of the same tools. Probably, but you know, I actually know that of some childhood women who have felt a lot of guilt Yeah. Lot of, okay. after they got their abortion. Yeah. And the, the thing is not guilt about not having the, the child because they know that they don't want to become parents, right? Yeah. And maybe adoption is not an option for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, but most of these feelings are very, very linked to either religious beliefs or mm -hmm. to cultural beliefs, right? Yeah. So, and, and they can be very cagey about it. They really don't want to talk about it. And they have actually done, even though they know they don't want to have children, they have to go through the whole process of, of grieving the mm. abortion. Um, whereas there are also child women who are like, yeah, got an abortion. I'm so happy that's done. So I think there's a whole spectrum. Uh, I'm sure, as I'm sure you've, you've, you know better than I do because you deal with women who, I mean, people in general who have had abortions, there's a full spectrum of feelings, right? And some, some days you can feel very happy and some days you can be like, hmm, should I have done that? And some days you could feel mm. a little bit ashamed, you know? So like you said, it is human experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course, you're going to see the range everywhere. Um, are there certain milestones or experiences in the child-free community that stir up more feelings than others? Like I know in my community, baby showers, <clears throat> excuse me, stir up a lot of feelings, or maybe like menopause stirs up a lot of feelings, or are there certain like kind of milestones that you see more, um, I don't know if the word struggle, but more like challenge around owning your decision to have this kind of life, whether it's the kind of life where you chose abortion or the kind of life where you just chose not to have children at all. Yeah, I definitely feel that baby showers are a thing, not for all childcare women, but yeah. You know how you can get, get invited to a baby shower and everyone's gushing over, you know, baby mama and everyone's asking you what, and when is your turn? When are you going to have a baby? And you don't want to have that conversation, especially not like in a baby shower, right? Yeah. You don't want to go like, I'm child-free in the middle of this bunch of women who are celebrating somebody who's going to give birth. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, I think that's one of the things, um, uh, I mean, I think that for women, for child for women, it's also, 
it's very triggering or not triggering. That's not the word I would say. It's, it's just, we get bingoed all the time. So I, I'm not sure if you, you've heard this term before. I haven't. Or in, in the childhood community, a bingo is both a noun and a, and a verb. So yeah. the noun is, is an actual bingo card that somebody created and it's online. You can, if you, if you search child for bingo, you'll find a card. It's oh, like a bingo card. And every one of the slots has, uh, you know, this very common things that we get told, things like you're going to regret it, or you're going to change your mind, or who's going to take care of you when you're old, yeah. or, you know, there's just this, all these myriad of things. And those are called bingos. So whenever yeah. you're bingoed, as in verb, is because somebody's telling you one of these things that is on the card. So for us, the whole, I think that in the childhood community in general, we get bingoed all the time, right? So we're, it's a, it's a very just frequent reminder that we're not fitting in somehow that we, you know, everyone's supposed to have children, right? No, not everyone's supposed to have children. And there are people who are still very attached to these traditional values of the nuclear family. And we're challenging that. Yeah. Uh, so I feel that those those situations can can be very uh, angering and annoying and triggering for some child-free people as well. And that's frequent. Um, and I would say also the fact that we're not included in many things. And and I was actually having a conversation with somebody oh, yeah. very recently about how how politicians, for example, make all these um, decisions their families right mm -hmm. so speaking specifically about tax breaks yeah child free people are like why aren't we getting tax breaks for not having children you know we're polluting less you know it's good for the environment we're not using as many you know uh governmental resources as, as families yeah. like i don't know transport public transportation public health you name it uh you know there's so many things right we should be getting tax breaks but instead we're actually in some countries some politicians are actually trying to tax people who don't have kids more, saying that we don't contribute anything to the future of society, basically. So wow. because of that, we need to be paying more taxes so that families can actually pay less for, you know, whatever service the government is actually, you know, providing for them. And that's so unfair. Um, so, you know, things like that fascinating in 2021, when population is not an issue, like we're not like, we're not amidst a like struggle to populate the world. So the fact that you would actually, it would be, you know, t more taxed because you're not contributing children to the world. It's just like mind blowing to me. I was like, <laughs> what? It is. But it, it's mostly, and it's, it's, it's interesting because this happens mostly in developed countries, in mm. Europe, European countries, like West European countries, for mm. example, that have a very, like their population rates are declining. So they have all these, the, the baby boomers um, and the generation right after them are getting very close to retiring and people are having less kids. So they're mm. like, well, the ones who don't have kids, you know, you should just pay more so we can like, and it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There should be other other things in place that politicians should, should put in place instead of, because it feels like we're getting punished, hmm. you know, yeah, that's, that's how it feels like. I've never, it's just something I've never thought about. 
Like I literally just did my taxes today and I answered a ton of questions about dependence and this and that and like childcare and all this stuff. And just because it is my world and I have three kids, um, I love that you just sort of shifted my perspective a little to go like, huh, all of this stuff is really interesting if you're choosing not to have children. Yes. Um, and, and also, you know, the part about, you know, childhood people are not contributing anything to society. Um, that kind of triggers me because like I said, it's like, we're not being included. We're not being seen in many ways. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I, so I read somewhere that one in four women specifically will not have children. Um, really? I think it's by 2025. I think that's, that was more, I think that was what I read. I'm not sure, but it's still, it's 25% of the population of developed countries. Um, And, and, you know, and there's a lot of us who are, in a way, we're actually leaving a legacy behind in this world that has nothing to do with offspring, right? We're scientists, doctors, artists, uh, politicians, you name it. So I I was thinking, child-free women must be contributing more to society. Because they're not spending 18 years like really just living their lives around their children. Not that all mothers do that, but like, yeah, that, that to me is just so absurd. Like, I feel like you have so much more capacity to serve and to leave a legacy. Yeah. That's that's how most of us feel as well. So, you know, the the whole child-free conversation is still very taboo in many, Mm -hmm. many places. Yeah, It's still very, um, you know, I I had a a comment from somebody who was, uh, she sent me a direct message on Instagram. She was just going off at me. I don't remember exactly why. She's a mother. That doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying that she's not part of the child-free community. It's not because she's a mother that she made these comments, but... um, She's just not child-free. But anyway, she said to me, oh, uh, and I don't understand. Why do you have to like be posting all of this? Like, where is it? Where is it that people get grief for not having children? Like, where do you live? Utah? And I was like, oh my God, if it only were just in Utah that people got grief for not having children, woman, like it's such a widespread problem. It is. Yeah. I'm curious, historically, have there been other times in, you know, documented humanity that, like, what is the historical evolution of choosing to be child-free? This is so fascinating that I think you said by 2025, and I know you were just trying to recollect it off the top of your head, but that number that one in four um, women may choose not to have children. So now that has me curious about, like, the the historical evolution of people with looms choosing or not choosing to have children. There's always been child for people around. Always. Yeah, of course, uh, you can go, you can trace them back to ancient Rome. Even there was this, uh, the best, best verse, I think um, it was a group of women who were actually very holy and sacred and they couldn't get married and they couldn't have children. Uh, mm. until the age of 35 which is you know past your bearing child uh, childbearing age normally but especially in that time and then they would like give, give you know they would be given a lot of money for all their service to society but even before I'm guessing there were 
you know, humans who were just not having kids. And it was mainly, I guess, for religious reasons. But you have to remember that, you know, at this time, there was so few of us in the world, like there were not a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, so if you, if you look at history uh, from then onwards, it's always been about having children and, and like the whole nuclear family is, is, it's also been about passing um, land and passing other types mm -hmm. of property to the, to the children. So it's inheritance is about uh, not only populating sure. countries, but, but also about like control of your finances of, of women didn't, women, women couldn't have any land, women couldn't own anything. So it was always their husbands and they have to have children, male children, so that, you know, they were taken care of. Um, and it's just been like this process, this very, very long process. And of course, birth control, we can trace back condoms all the way to BC, you know, they're, yeah. they used to do them with, um, I think it was like, uh, it was sheep or goat, goats. Intestine, um, right? Like the lining of the intestine? Yes, or yeah. yes, or the yeah. or the actual like leather, something like that. The raw. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And and so, but you know, as that evolved, uh, and also I think that the whole child-free to put it in a way revolution, which is this is a word that was coined back in the 70s. So that it was more, I think, visible when with the whole uh, feminine revolution that happened in the 60s and the 70s that's when it became really visible I guess you know the whole what is it if we don't want to have children like we shouldn't right yeah that is really um before we started recording Isabel and I were talking a little bit about the shows that we watch on the Netflixy Huluy places <laughs> <laughs> I have been watching and you were talking about Handmaid's Tale which I watched recently but a lot of like monarchy kind of stuff and I was just watching Harlots which is super intense but um the reason I'm bringing this up is there's so much in like that culture around like what you said around women not having being able to own property and money and like banking and all that stuff and then just passing on so that is a fascinating topic where if you didn't have children I mean now you could pass your inheritance to anyone it could be your neighbor but that probably yeah. was not the case so if no. you built a legacy as a child free woman as a scientist or a you know whatever you were where did your assets go back in the day when the, the rules and laws were nutty? Just reabsorbed That's a good question. I answer it on this podcast. It's just like <laughs> all these things we don't think about. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you know factor into into that. Um, I think that I think that women in the states they were allowed to have property. Was it back in the 19th century or the beginning of the 20th century? Something like that. It's been very, it's very recent anyway. Uh, and we were allowed to vote, to vote like beginning of the 19th, 1900s as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just if women, like the history of women, and I'm talking specifically yeah. about women because that's who, you know, the role of, of, of mother or a role of having children, it's been mostly 
the responsibility of of the mother, of the mom of yeah. the of the woman or or the person who has the uterus but you know back yeah, then it for was sure. very binary the whole thing right yeah um and 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 so it's been like we've had to catch up in the past 120 years 150 years more or less we, we had to catch up very yeah. quickly and there's still a lot to be done um you know as women as female to be able to break with a lot of of the burdens that we've been carrying with us for mm-hmm. yeah. the whole of human is the human history yeah and that word burden is so important to just remember that we're all carrying all these burdens that we don't even realize just this like societal expectation to produce children is yeah it's a burden from when we're tiny like we're raised to play with dolls and take care of families and um for some of us that's something we really want to do but we're carrying around so many unspoken burdens that we can shine some light on and then make choices like what do, what do i want do i want mm-hmm. do i want a family do i want a nuclear family do i want to be a single mom by choice like yeah we're really stepping into like a whole new a whole new era of what it looks like to, to absolutely yeah absolutely and you know now that you mentioned that i one of the things that i've always found like i've known this for a very long time because it also happened to me um but this still surprises me is how there are still so many people, not only women, just people in general, yeah. who don't know that having children is a choice, not an obligation. And the reason I say this is I realized it was a choice when I was in my 30s, like early 30s. I remember thinking, like, since I was a child, like you said, you know, you're groomed to become a mom. You're yeah. groomed to have children. You're groomed to find a husband. And then after you get married, so you have a boyfriend in case of, you know, heterosexual cis women, you have a boyfriend and then everyone's asking you, oh, when are you going to get married? And you get married and no one starts asking you, when are you going to have babies? So it's just like the, the step that is the next that you have to like do. And you have, you're ticking all these boxes on your head. And I remember um, when I was in my early thirties, somebody said to me, Isabel, you do know you don't have to have children, right? Because I was dreading it. I was like, oh, no. I have to like get married and have children. Like, I don't want like, ugh, you know, and they were like, you don't have to. And I was like, wow, how didn't I know this was a choice? And then I started talking to other women, other child-free women, and not only child-free women, also mothers. And they were like, I didn't know this was a choice. I didn't know it was a choice. Yeah. So the important thing about, this conversation is also is also bringing awareness to everyone, especially young people, that this is a choice. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's just one of those moments where, you're like, it's so obvious that yeah. it's a choice, but we don't think that way. We're just conditioned to not think that way. And how many other things in our lives are that? obvious and we're just overlooking them to fit in the norms fit in the norms fit in the norms exactly Um, you said something earlier about um frequently feeling like we don't fit in um and i think that's so fascinating especially in combination with this projected statistic of one in four um women not choosing to not have children and 
part of why that's interesting to me is like the abortion number is also like one in four women will have an abortion by the time, you know, in some time in their life. And we too feel like we don't fit in. Like here we are, this one in four, this quarter of the population, and we feel like we don't fit in. And here you are, maybe, you know, maybe not fully outed as wanting to be child-free because like you said, sometimes you think you just have to have children. Um, this another quarter of a population that feels like they don't fit in. Um, so I'm curious if you have any favorite coaching tools or language you use around like feeling like you don't fit in when you're so clearly not alone statistic wise. Well, to me, it's always, I mean, the, I can't think off the top of my head if there's like a, a specific language that I use for that, but I do, I'm very mindful of everything that I post and everything that I create to make sure that people who are reading or listening understand and know that they're not alone. Yes. And for, for me, one of those tools is actually my podcast, which I'm sure it's the same for you. Mm -hmm. Um in my podcast, I only I only feature interviews with child-free women from around the world. And the reason I chose to do that was specifically to showcase, you know, that there's these women around the world. There's so many of us. We have chosen to be child-free for so many reasons. And some of these women wanted children and then they realized they didn't. Some of these women have known forever they didn't want to have kids. Some of these women mm -hmm. want, actually went through IVF, for example, and then didn't mm -hmm. work out. And at some point they were like, okay, I'm just going to embrace the child-free lifestyle. Mm -hmm. There's not like a, a correct, quote unquote, if you will, way to be child-free. Mm -hmm. And I think um, putting those stories out there is important because other people can listen to them and say, I feel inspired. I feel that I'm not alone. I feel that if this person can do everything that they've done with their lives and be so happy and fit and feel completely, you know, uh, fulfilled, then so can I. And I think that's the most important message. I love that. And um, I will ask you the question too, as we close, but at the end of most of my podcasts, I just say, is there anything else you want to share with my audience? And I have not, I'm not a numbers person, but I'm going to say like seven out of 10 people say you're not alone. I just want you to remember you're not alone. So that is clearly another thread between our work um, and such an important message to just keep putting out in the world. But I will Absolutely. ask you, <laughs> <laughs> that may be it you may be done um with that you're not alone but is there anything else that you feel called to share with this audience um of people generally again all kinds of people are finding the podcast but generally people who've chosen abortion um for wow my dog is loud today sorry <laughs> um chosen abortion and um, are having all kinds of mixed feelings, which are very much feelings that you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, shame, anger, guilt, confusion, overwhelm. Yeah. Well, you know, you said it yourself, it's human experience. Uh, and when I said, hopefully not, hopefully you don't have to feel this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that there's, I think that the most important thing to remember and this, this applies to child-free people. And I haven't had an abortion myself. It's not my experience. Yeah. 
so hopefully this will also be something that your audience can resonate with. But for me, the most important thing um, is always to remember that whatever decisions you make or decisions that are, are going to make you happy, the decisions that fit into your life, the decisions that are the ones that you can live with, um, you know, best. And people can talk and people will always have a reason always mm -hmm. to criticize what you're doing what you're not doing what you have chosen what you haven't had how you haven't chosen but this is the thing nobody else is going to live your life for you mm -hmm. so if you start making decisions or you continue making decisions based on other people's opinions and other people's wants and other people's needs when they're not the ones we're going to have to bear the responsibility or you know, in this case, take care of the child, or, you know, you name it, then don't listen to those voices, like really focus on what it is that your heart tells you is best for you. Uh, and I know it's a lot easier said than done. That's why it's important to have a like some sort of support. Yeah. And I always tell everyone, you know, wh whatever your meaning in life, whatever you want to pursue in life, if you have support, that helps a lot. So reaching out for help, it's not something to be ashamed of. Yeah. Oh, I love that message. Keep making decisions that make you happy. So good. Well, thank you so much. It's been really lovely to talk to you. And um, I'm going to keep, keep watching and following and supporting your work. And we'll send everyone your way. Um, is the Instagram account The Uprising Spark? It is, yes. And a good website for people to find you? Theuprisingspark.com. Awesome. And yeah. we'll link to your other podcast too. All right. Thank you for your time and enjoy your evening. Thank you, Amanda. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.